I do appreciate your faithfulness, and I know this morning that you really love God or you would not be here, and I don't, I don't want to take that for granted. We may not be jumping pews or shouting hallelujah, but we may before it's over with. Amen. We may before it's over with. If you get what I'm going to preach about today, some of you will be. Amen. Some of you will be. If you get what the Word of the Lord wants to speak to your life, you, you'll, you'll leave here different than you came. Amen. I do ask you to be in prayer for the Long family, the loss of Sister Long's mother. And if you can make it to the funeral, I know that would be much appreciated. If you can, a call or a text would be, I'm certain, an encouragement to her. And I want to say to our church family that has uh, responded so wonderfully to the need of Brother Felix and his family, I know that they are deeply uh, indebted to you, and they have expressed those thoughts to me uh, when I have spent time with them, how much they appreciated the love and uh, the compassion and the good food that was brought by the kind words of encouragement. Remember to hold them up. Brother Felix told me that perhaps next Sunday his father will be in service with us. That would be a great, great weekend. Amen. And I do hope that you come. Somebody asked me what I was expecting next week, and I said, well, I don't know what I'm expecting, but my fear is nobody's going to show up. <laughs> but I hope you will come and help us celebrate 20 years. I am... <clears throat> I'm doing my best to get you a better preacher here next weekend. And so uh, I've asked Brother Dennis Clark and Brother Johnny Harrell to come and be with us. Brother Harrell is iffy. He may have to have surgery, and if that's the case, he will not be here. But I know you will be blessed. We're going to hear some good singing. We're going to eat some good food, and we're going to reminisce. God is good to us. Amen, and I am thankful for that. It's great to have Brother Sister Custer home today. Amen. Always glad that they can be back home with us. If you have your Bibles for just a few moments, turn with me to the book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and I will read beginning with verse number 12. What you're going to hear today is certainly not going to be the most profound message that you will ever hear, and it may not be the best one that I ever preach. I'm not worried about that. But the message that I have to deliver today is probably one of the most important and most powerful <clears throat> messages that I could share with you. Found in Hebrews chapter 12, <clears throat> and it begins in verse 12 like this. Wherefore? Lift up the hands which hang down. And it's important when you come to a wherefore, there's a therefore. You need to go back and understand what he's talking about. And he's talking about if you're a child, if you're truly a child of God, you're going to be chastised and you're going to be corrected. God, listen to me, God does not believe in time out. He whips his children. He disciplines his children. He doesn't put them in time out. But he does that because he loves me. 
And he does that because I'm a child. I'm not an illegitimate. I'm not ill-born. I carry his name. And so there are times that we go through testing and chastisement and all of that. It, for the moment, he said, is not pleasurable, but it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness uh, that is the reward of going through those times. So all of you good parents that believe in time out, just understand this about God and your relationship with Him. God doesn't believe in time out. He believes that you have to be disciplined. And so we go through things that are part of the disciplining process of our life. And I know that went over like a lead balloon. I could tell already been here 20 years, I can tell when things fly and when they don't fly, but you don't have to like it. It's still the truth. And you not liking it doesn't change the truth. Amen. So that's why he said, wherefore, seeing that you're a child and you get chastised and you get corrected, he said, lift up the hands which hang down. There's a ministry and purpose in your being here. Lift up the hands that hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet lest that which is lame be turned out of the way or one translation said lest that which is lame be dislocated. And then the last statement is probably the most profound thing that Paul says in this passage. But let it rather be healed, but let it rather be healed. I want to talk to you this morning, and for the lack of a better title, I'm going to uh, talk to you about choosing the better life, or choosing a better life. Everybody say it with me. Choosing the better life. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. This I have learned about living for God. That what God often wants to do and what God gets to do in my life are often two different things. Now, some of you weren't paying attention to what I just said, and I want to say it again. I want you to pay attention to me. What God wants to do and what God gets to do in my life are not always the same. And that principle alone, if you begin to understand the ramifications of that statement, it can alter your life in a wonderful way. But what God wants to do many times is limited by what I will let Him do. Amen. What I will let Him do. I think most of us would agree that probably some of the greatest advice that we have ever received about life comes from the simplest sources. What was it that Harold Kushner said, but everything that I learned about life, I learned where? In kindergarten. As just a beginner, learning to share 
learning to say thank you, learning to say yes, ma'am, or no, ma'am, or yes, sir, no, sir. Those very simple things have a way of powerfully transforming a person's life. And it, it, it would be one thing for me to stand here this morning and talk to you about the omniscience of God or the omnipresence of God or the omnipotence of God. And all of those things are part and parcel of who He is. And they are absolutely things that we must understand about God. But we can get lost sometimes in the grandeur of His power. And sometimes we can become overwhelmed by the fact that he is omnipotent or he is omniscient or he is omnipresence. But one of the most soothing, calming truths that you and I can embrace this morning is that God is love. And not only God is love, but God loves me. The psalmist said it in its simplest form. God is for me. You cannot get any simpler than that, and yet the truth that it bears is eternal, that God is for me. And so this morning, I, I want to bring to you a very simple thought, and yet to me it is profoundly effective in altering our life for the better and for the good. One of the things that I believe that when you embrace it and when you understand it, it will transform your life no matter what your situation is, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter how hard things are at the present. If you can embrace the truth of Hebrews 12 and 13, Something will happen this morning that will literally transform your mind and spirit and you will leave here a different person. It will lift a burden off of your shoulders. It will erase from your, your, your horizon the clouds that are so dark and heavy and it will bring the sunshine of God's presence and His love if you understand what I want to speak to you concerning. In Hebrews 12, Paul is finishing up a letter to the Hebrew Christian. And in doing so, he begins to draw at several corners of his mind a thing that he wanted to share with these believers in their life and relationship with God. And in this 12th chapter, verses 12 and 13, Paul is dealing with the problems of everyday Christian living, the everyday grind that we all find ourselves in, that when all of the goosebumps of His presence have calmed down and, and our tongues have, have, have gone dormant and we are at home in, in the dark or we are at work in the midst of trouble and we are just trying to slog it through the day. We're just trying to get through the next moment. That is what Paul is 
talking about. He is understanding that there are times when as a child of God we soar with wings like an eagle. And he understands that there are times when uh, when, when we can run and, and not be weary. But what Paul understood about the Christian life was its dailiness, its everyday effect upon you and I and having to live out these principles and flesh out these truths in our life in an everyday setting and in a common and ordinary way. And so he talks to them about the daily struggles of just getting by and what you encounter and the things that you face in such settings as that. And he talks about the duty of the Christian to help those that are weak around them, that there are people around them that are struggling, and there are people around you that are not doing as well as they seem to be doing. There is one thing that I have learned about Christian people is that we are really good at putting on facades and we are really good at dressing up a shipwreck. We're really good at putting a smile on a misery and coming and acting like everything is all right. But Paul said beneath that veneer, there's hurt and there's pain and there's suffering. And you need to be conscious of that so that you can help those whose hands have become weak. That means the Greek says their hands have become slack, which simply means that they have loosened their grip on something. They have abandoned. And their, the, the, the rigors of the journey have caused them to open their hand and let go of something in their life. And Paul said, all right, you need to be conscious of that and help those whose hands are weak. And you need to help those whose knees have become weak. They can't seem to stand any longer that your responsibility of being a child of God is to be conscious of those that are around you. But one of the greatest glories that a person can know in life, Paul said, is not to be an island but to be an encourager of others. Those who are near to despair and they need strength and help that you find a way to do that. And so in our text, Paul is addressing these issues with the Christian and he is talking to them about what you encounter in life. And then he mentions something about those th things and situations. He calls them lame that you're going to encounter in life issues and and you're going to come in contact with things that have been dislocated by life. They, the, the, the joints are out of place and the body is not functioning as it needs to. And it could be your life. It could be somebody else's life. It, it could be somebody that you know of. But whatever it is, he said there is a solution to that and there is a key to victory and there's a way to understand what you're going through and dealing with. And so in our text, Paul makes a statement that has great potential for all of us today 
And that statement is simple yet profound. And in it is found some of the best advice that I have ever heard written in Scripture. And it has to do with the conduct that he advises uh, uh, to, to those who are dealing with uh, lameness or weakness or struggling or hurting, uh, whatever it is that they're going through. He said, this is what I am advising you. This is the most productive thing that I can tell you about the hurts of life is let it be. Everybody say, let it be. Now, some of you aren't with me yet, but you're going to get with me in just a minute. He said, the most important thing that you can do in this setting is let it be. Everybody say that with me again. Let it be. Now the statement, let it rather be healed, is a statement that marks a contrast. It actually opens up to me an understanding that there are options here. That there are options that are available. There are alternative ways of facing this situation. There's more than one way to deal with this problem. That you are not boxed in and fenced in and you are not at the hand of fate. You know, surprisingly, as, as, as absurd as it seemed, there are a lot of us that sometimes are of the opinion that our life is just at the hand of fate and we have no power to change it we, and we just have to live through it and live with it. And Paul is saying to the New Testament Christian, he said, I'm going to give you a key that will release you from the burden of pain and the hurt and suffering. I'm going to give you an alternative to life. I'm going to help you understand that you have some options in the situation. You don't have to respond to it the way you think you have to. You don't have to say the things that are on your mind right now. You don't have to do what you think you've got to do to make it right. Maybe, just maybe, somebody needs to let it be. Turn to your neighbor and say it. Let it be. Let it be. That means step back and allow for something that you're not seeing to come to fruition. That means get your hands off of it for a moment and allow God's hand to come on it. That's what it means. It means for you to quit bullying your way through life like a bull in a china closet knocking things over God, I'm going to do this or else and ruin your life and ruin a lot of other people's lives and break a lot of stuff in the process. He said, maybe it would be better if you understood there's, there, there's, there are options. You don't have to tear up your house. You don't have to tear down this situation. You, you, you don't have to live in that misery and hell. You need to back up and let it be healed. Say that with me. Let it be healed. That means you have to give it some time. That means you can't keep picking at it. 
That means you can't keep Facebooking it. That means you can't keep talking about it. That means you can't keep gossiping about it. That means you can't keep being mad about it. That means that you have to step back away from it and understand that just maybe I'm not seeing everything there is to this equation yet. And that if I will allow God, God's view of my life is a much better perspective of it than mine. He sees it a lot better than I see it. He knows the path that he has chosen for my life. And if I will only allow God to do it, God is going to do what is right in my life. God is going to do what is best for my life, but I have to let it be. You see what I said earlier comes a little clear now. There are a lot of things God would like to do in my life, but he can't do because I won't let it be done. There are a lot of times that God's outcome of my situation would be whole, a, a, a total difference than what my outcome is going to be, but I am so determined that I'm going to do it Bust hell wide open. Give the devil a black eye. Whatever you want to say. I mean all of those things. When the truth is I would be a whole lot better off if I would just step back away from it and let it be healed. Give it some room. Give it some time. You'll get better. It'll get better. It'll improve. If it doesn't improve, it'll die. And if it dies, you didn't need it. You know what I've learned about life? When people walk away from my life, you know what that means? That doesn't mean that I go into a closet and go into depression and say, Oh God, what happened? It simply means that they were no longer part of the story of my life. And I'm not going to let the rest of my life be messed up because somebody walked away from me. I'm going to make up my mind that God's picture of me and God's purpose for my life is greater than what I can envision for myself. And so I'm going to let it be. Somebody say it with me. Let it be. Let it rather be healed. The word indicates that you have options. There are several things that could happen here. There's more than one way out of this situation, and there's more than one way that is available, and more than one way to respond is possible. Everybody says, I have an option. I, have an, I still have an option to the story and how it ends. I may not be able to control the circumstances in my life. I, I cannot control the fact that somebody cheated me or lied about me or stole from me or hurt me or whatever else. They, I can't control that. But I can have something to say about how the story ends here. And I can realize what Paul was trying to help some early Christians understand is that the best way, the better way to live, the choice way to live is let it be healed. Let it be healed. You know what? It is true. Time is sometimes our greatest ally. Time does have a way of healing. It heals. It gives, if you'll just give it a chance, it, it will get better. Amen. If you'll just give it a chance, it'll improve. 
But if you keep working on it, how many of you have ever made a mistake and went to try to correct it, and the more you did to try to correct it, the worse it got? How many of you have ever gotten anything on your clothes and you go to clean it and that little bitty tiny spot became this humongous half moon and you had to throw away the whole garment because you just kept messing with it, messing with it, messing with it, and so it is in life. There's a lot of messed up people in life that are messed up because they will not let it be. They don't have the ability to take their hands off. They've just got to fix it. They've got to make it right. You know what, folks? There's some things that you cannot make right. They have to become right in time. And there are some things that you cannot make right. You, <clears throat> you want people to do right to you without you doing right to them. And so Paul said, let it be. If you'll just give it a chance, it will heal. If you'll give it, a, instead of reacting the way that you've been reacting, instead of going to the sources that you have been going to, find out another source. In contrast to how you've been acting, or rather than Saying the thing that you normally would say, Paul said, why don't you take your hands off and let it be healed. In all actuality, that marks the preferred way above all others, and it is the best way. Paul said, let it be. You know, the Beatles might have had it right after all. I'm just being humorous. Some of you look like you need to smile right now. Let it be. Let it rather be healed. A difficult situation, no doubt, is what Paul was talking about. There is no question in my mind that what Paul was referencing here was no idle situation. It was serious. It was life-changing. And yet Paul is simply urging them to understand that there is a conclusion to this matter that comes from a higher level of life and understanding. There is a better way of dealing with this situation. Let it be healed. Amen. Everybody say it with me. Let it be healed. You know what's wrong with a lot of us? is that we've made some really bad mistakes and we've made some really poor choices and we want to fix them right now and it's impossible. It's impossible. We want to go back and erase it. We want to go back and push that delete button like we do on the computer and that fixes everything. I mean, just you, you just highlight it push that button and it's gone. You don't even have to look at it anymore. You don't have to recall it. You can start over, but life is not, you, you can't go back. And so we, we've made choices and we've made decisions and we're in situations and we're trying to get out of it. And Paul said the only way to get out of it is to live out of it. You, you just got to live it out. And if you will let it be, if you will live it out, it will come out better than you can imagine. 
Amen. Some of you still aren't convinced. Turn to your neighbor and say, let it be. Let it be. Let it be healed. There's a better way of dealing. There's a conclusion of this argument that can end the war. Do the right thing. Let it be. Allow it. Permit it. If you will, something good will come out of it. But the opposite of let it be is what? Don't let it be. Don't allow it. Don't permit it. Oh, that puts it in a whole other context. Now, that's not what I'm talking about. It may not be what I'm talking about, but it's what I'm doing in my actions. So I'm asking you this morning, do you want a better future? Do you want a better 2013 than you had 2012? Do you want a better tomorrow than you had a yesterday? Do you want your future to be brighter than your past? Then if you do, you're going to have to let some things be healed. Just let it be healed. Let it be healed. Because God wants to heal and God wants to forgive and God wants to restore. But you must let it be so. You must let it be so. Oftentimes what God wants to do and what he gets to do are two different things. You know what I've learned about God? If you give God a chance, he'll bless you. If you just give God a chance, he'll do good to you. If you give God a chance, he will improve your situation no matter what it is. If you just get, what, what's a chance? It's coming to an altar. It's bending a knee. It's bowing before the Lord. It's falling on your face and saying, God, I made a mistake. I messed up. I need your help. And if you'll do that, God will do good to you. It is a fact. The scripture said, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God wants to bless you more than you can understand. And yet many times he is limited in what he can do because I will not let it be. How many of you have ever heard the story in Matthew 20 about the householder that went out to the market to find laborers? Anybody ever heard that story? He went out at the first watch. And he, he negotiated with these guys for a penny a day to go out into the field. And, and so they did. They went out. They negotiated a price penny a day. They went out the field. <clears throat> the third watch, he decided that that wasn't enough, so he goes back to the marketplace. And he negotiates with some. He said, what are you doing standing idle? They said, we haven't been called. And so he said, go. And he, and, and he negotiated a penny a day. And then he came back the ninth and the, he even came back on the 11th watch and he did the same thing. And he negotiated with them a penny a day. How many of you believe that? That's not what the Bible says. You know what the Bible said? The Bible said that the first group he negotiated with them a penny a day. But the rest of the groups, go read it in your Bible. I didn't believe it was there either until I read it the other day. The Bible said that the householder said to those that he negotiated with on the third and the fifth and the sixth and the eleventh watch, he said, I will do what is right. I will do what is good for you. Now listen to me. All that servant had to do was just show up and God was going to do what was best for him. 
That's how simple it is. All you have to do is just show up. And God said, I'll take care of the rest of it. I have blessings. I have help. I have a healing. I have strength. I have miracles. I have mercy. I have grace. I have power. I, I, I can deliver whatever it is that you're facing, whatever you need. God said, whatever is right, I will give it you. All you've got to do is just show up. Just show up. And God said, I will do what's right. Now, he did give them a penny a day. I'm not trying to mess your mind up. He did later on. He gave them all a penny a day, and that made some of them mad. But the truth was, he said to them, I will do what is right to you. I will do what is right to you. The only thing that you and I have to do to find the blessings of God is just show up. That's all. Now I know that some of you are thinking, oh brother, you, that can't be true. It's got to be harder than that. No, it's not. All you have to do is just show up. Elijah was commanded by God to go to the brook Cherith because God was bringing a famine upon the land and God commanded him to go and this is what he said. He said, I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. And all the time everybody else was lacking, Elijah was eating. Because every morning and every evening, a raven brought him bread and flesh. Bread and flesh, bread and flesh. Sounds great, doesn't it? You know what? The only way that Elijah could get it, though, was to be there. Elijah had to show up. He had to be there because that's where the command was, there. And this is where the command is here. Let it be healed. Take your hands off of it. Quit trying to massage it and manipulate it and let it be healed. So it doesn't work that way. Yes, it does. Or God wouldn't have told us to do that. God would not have given me something that was un, incapable of me to do. And so it can be done. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you happy the way you are right now? Are you happy where you are right now? Don't let the brokenness of your path or your situation knock you off of your path of destiny? Do you want 2013 to be better for you than any other year you've ever lived? <clears throat> then allow yourself to recover. Let it be healed. Let it go. You decide this morning... Am I going to be better? Am I going to get over it? Am I going to move on with life? And as much as God wants to and as much as God can and as much as God will do, He is limited to my options. I have an option. I choose to let it go. I choose 
to open my hand and let God do what he can do with the situation. Let it be healed. Stand with me right now.